When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Arthur Moore owns a large farm and lives at Mooresford House, Mooresford County Tipperary. He is married with seven children and is one of the Catholic gentry. The family were originally Protestant and came from Ballymoney, County Antrim. His great-grandfather, Charles Moore, married a Catholic girl, Marion Storey, the daughter of a Dublin shopkeeper. This marriage was unpopular with the family, and when he compounded the offence by becoming a Catholic himself, he was put out of the family business. A friendly uncle invited him to the West Indies, and he succeeded within a short period in amassing a large fortune. He returned and bought the Mooresford estate, about 900 acres of land, from the encumbered estate court, who had taken it over from Crosby Moore, a distant relation of his, who had more or less dissipated all he had. When his great-grandfather died, he was succeeded by his son, Arthur, a religious man and a philanthropist, who used the family fortune to build convents, schools and hospitals. This was Count Moore, a title bestowed on him by the Vatican for his philanthropy. His son, Captain Charles, succeeded him, and from him the estate, somewhat truncated by the 1925 Land Act, passed to the present owner, Arthur Moore. I first asked him about his background. My background and, and antecedents, and they were, they were different, if you like. They weren't any better, but they were different to the people around. But... I don't count myself any better than them. Um, I'm different. I had a different education, a different upbringing. But we've adapted. A lot of people didn't. I, I hadn't much adapting to do, actually. The bigger adaptation had to come in the previous generation. My father's generation, they had to adapt. I, I was born into the state as it is, and I was born into the status quo, and I never knew anything different. What did conforming in your father's time mean exactly? This was the setting up of the free state, the independent state. Um, my father would have been, in his youth, um, a member of the grand jury, for instance. Uh, that that packed up, naturally enough. Uh, for good or ill, I don't know enough about it. But uh, 
he, he started his life on the grand jury and he finished his life, not he finished, not finished his life, no, but during his, when he had adapted then, he sat on the county council. Well, that, that may seem a curious um, thing to say, but th there is a huge gap there. He was quite happy on the council. Uh, you are of the Catholic gentry, which in some ways is uh, unusual in that primarily the, the Irish gentry have been associated with Protestantism. What does uh, Catholicism mean to you today? I, I was brought up as a Catholic. Um, my father was a Catholic. My grandfather was a Catholic. My great-grandfather wasn't born a Catholic. Uh, he was born of very staunch, very traditional Protestant stock in Antrim. My wife is a Catholic. My children are Catholic. Uh, I think the best excuse for being a Catholic that I've heard the simplest reason uh, a friend of mine uh, who works in London amongst people who are completely irreligious in his, in his own line of business, somebody said to him, how can you possibly be a Catholic? And he said, his only, the, only, the best answer he could think of was to say, well, I was brought up as a Catholic and nobody has ever told me, nobody has ever shown me a better system or given me any really sensible reason why I should stop being a Catholic. Members of the aristocracy and the gentry, and indeed I suppose some of the families with a strong uh, intellectual tradition, um, university tradition and so on, always exude a certain amount of confidence that other members of the uh, public don't have. It's... Uh... It's a product, I suppose, of the type of upbringing uh, I had a different education to a lot of the people that I'd be dealing with. As I've told you before, I'm conscious of a difference, which is different to being conscious of a superiority. I'm, I'm conscious of a difference in background and upbringing and education and so on, but I don't consider this to be an impediment. And if I have, or people like me have, uh, a certain air of confidence, I think it's only a product of the sort of upbringing. Um, it's, it's uh, I suppose, one was educated and brought up for a purpose. It's perhaps a rather old-fashioned concept, one of leadership, if you like. Is it a rather old sort of Edwardian idea that you would educate, you know, to be brought up to, to do something? It's not a very contemporary concept, No, anyway. maybe it's not. Maybe it's not, but um, this would give you a measure of confidence, I suppose, and perhaps a measure of articulacy.
which would be lacking if one had had a different upbringing. Now, you work here as a farmer, and you're a working farmer. You're not a gentleman farmer in the sense that you don't sit in the study all day um, drinking claret. You actually <laughs> get out and do some work. What does your day consist of? Uh, my day consists of... Uh, I'm, I'm a working farm manager, if you like. I'm an owner-manager. And I get up... Uh, the time I get up depends on the time of year. At this time of year, I get up early in the morning. Early by city standards, perhaps. I get up at six and... Um, I have a light snack and I leave the house and I go and get the early work started, which is, we're a dairy farm, and dairy farms always have an early start. And I'm just, I call in the morning and just see that everything is all right, see that everybody's there. If there was a man late, I'd take his place until he arrived, or if there was a man missing, any problems. Uh, I'd sort them out, and then I uh, look at cattle and feed the calves. Always no good as a dairy cow, but it makes them crazy for the rest of their lives when they don't get handled when they're small. Zanzil! That cow is very, very wild. Oh yes, this one, they are, yes. But you're one here without a tag, Tom. How he lost it, I couldn't tell you. And I must, uh, I must get the number that you put in him too, yeah. because it's the only number I'm missing. There's a bit of extra bureaucracy, a bit of extra rigmaroles to go through on his account. You do physical work yourself? Oh yes. Oh yes. I, I try and avoid the absolute routine work. Uh, I can milk cows as well as anyone else. I don't, as a matter of course, do so. I do only when pressed. I count myself as a relief, relief milker. I try and avoid the absolute routine um, work like that simply because I find that you can't run a railway and drive the engine. Get bogged so down the when you much, see exactly, it. Exactly, exactly. Then he injects into the bit of bare skin uh, this, what is it, Tom? What do you describe that? Oh, Tuber tuberculin. Tuberculin. Yeah. It's a derivative or a precipitate of the tuberculous bacillus, the bacteria. And you measure the skin thickness, you inject it, and you come back in 72 hours and remeasure the thickness then. And your result is based on the comparison between the, your two readings, if you follow. This is a test for tuberculosis. This is a test for tuberculosis. That's correct, yeah. How about your intellectual life? You have a good physical life. Uh... Well, of course, the, uh, there isn't much in the w intellectual life in the sense that you mean it in my work. Um, it's really intellectually, in a curious way, it's rather lonely because um, if I were working in a stockbroker's office or a bank, I'd have other people 
of similar training, similar background, I'd always have an opinion to turn to. But how about the knocking about of ideas, not just related to uh, f farm work now or to running a farm, but the general sort of knocking about ideas with somebody, a uh, similar person to yourself. Do you find that there are people with whom you can do that? The loneliness is here as well now because I... the people of, the, of a similar background and training and upbringing to myself wouldn't be interested in politics in Uruguay. But the people of a similar social background to myself here, I hope, in a way, won't be listening to me when I'd say that they couldn't be interested in anything less than Uruguay. They'd be much more interested in the Dublin Horse Show or the New York Stock Exchange. There is this problem. It is to an extent lonely like that. Now, uh, your social life here in County Tipperary, what does it consist of? Well, coming in a, from an urban context like yourself, we probably look very dreary and dull, but we are really very contented, I think, speaking for myself. We live here. Um, we enjoy living here. We enjoy the work we're doing. The work we're doing is... Um, is uh, meaningful and it's pleasant and the ambience is pleasant and it's a nice place and we don't really feel any need of jet-setting even if we could afford to I don't want to go flying all over the place um, most of our social life uh, would be uh, consist of going to other people's houses in the evening or maybe out on a Sunday for lunch or something. Our people coming here, we'd have our friends in, we'd be going to see our friends. It's quite sufficient for us. Where do you go for your holidays? Well, our holiday time would be in the autumn. It fits in best with our system of farming here. If there is a slack period of the year, it is in the autumn. And then the autumn there is a relatively slack period and we try and get away. We would like to go abroad. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. We hope this year now to go to France. We often go to France. We have a lot of friends in France, in the north of France and Brittany and Normandy. Uh, we swap children with them, send our children there, take theirs here. And uh, we'd go there tour around, fiddle about, and uh, get a fortnight's break that way. Do you have a strong sense of family in the sense that you're building up a farm here and you hope to hand that farm on to one of your sons and uh, that that will continue and that there will be... Uh, that your son, for instance, will build up the farm again and that your estate will stay intact and possibly increase in value and in size? 
Yes, I would say there is a very strong sense of family. I know exactly what I've done, I know what my father has done, I know what my grandfather has done, I know every bush and tree and hump and hollow in the place, I know every drain and where it starts and where it comes out, and I know who put it there and how deep it is and uh, this type of thing. And one becomes enormously involved in a farm. Uh, and I would hope that this would go on and that um, you say, do I hope that he'll build up in value? Um, this is another question. I, I, I don't think that one is motivated primarily financially in this sort of work. And I think a lot of farmers, and indeed it's a theory of mine that a lot of people are not motivated by money to the extent that they think they are. They're conditioned to think that they're doing what they're doing for money. But an enormous number of people aren't. And if they could really look into their own heart, they'll find that they're not doing what they're doing for money. But for what? But because they enjoy doing what they're doing. And the people who are happiest are those who are not necessarily those who are in the most paying jobs. You could come to me now as an agricultural economist and you can say, you're wasting your time here. Why don't you cut all these trees down and level the whole place, get a bulldozer and plant sugar beet? You'll be three times as well off. I'd say, but as the man said, the famous man, I like the view from the window. And I would probably make more money by not having a lawn outside the window. Why don't I let the cattle graze up to the windows? I'd rather not have... I, I, I like the ambience. You know, there's a... I could, I could get on with less labour than I employ if I ran the place differently. But I wouldn't ever have anybody with a minute to spare to clean up and paint the gate and pick up old fertiliser bags that have blown away in the wind. And whilst I'd be richer and have more money and be able... What would I do with it? I don't want money, necessarily. I, mean, I don't want any more than I need. I'm not motivated wholly financially. Joan Moore, wife of Arthur Moore, is an Englishwoman. Uh, I would say my, back, my background is very similar to that of my husband's in that I was brought up in England uh, from a similar kind type of family, a similar education, a very old Lancashire Catholic family um, in a big house. My father farmed as well as doing other public works in, within the county. And a uh, very, very similar background we have to get. So I think this is a great help to ha when one comes to live over here. I think a lot of people find it very difficult to put their roots down, but I feel I've put my roots down so satisfactorily that in actual fact, I think of myself, identify myself as being part of this country. And when one goes back to England, one goes back as a visitor. But your mother was an Anglo-Irish Catholic. Yes, she was. She came from County Roscommon and uh, was born and lived up there till she married my father in 1917. And um, she 
was, but again, she never lived over here after um, it became a state, Ireland became its own state, and uh, I think she still at times thought of Ireland as it was in the old days, and uh, never really, I think, came round like to really realise what it was like now. So uh, she was one of those who didn't conform when the free, uh, free State was set up? Well, no, that wouldn't be true because she, she was married before the Free State was set up so that it wasn't, that wouldn't be true. But um, I think, I did, uh, it's hard to describe, but I think she never really, if she, if she had been living in here, she possibly mightn't have conformed. She mightn't have. Would you regard your background as somewhat privileged and your present life as somewhat privileged? don't think so. Um, it's a difficult question to answer. In what way do you mean privileged? Well, let's say you were born into a very comfortable type of life and you live a fairly comfortable type of life too. Uh, but then I think there are a lot of people who live a comfortable type of life uh, as um, in, in the way they want to live it, um, that they're living just as comfortable type of life as we are living. Um, we don't live in great luxury here. All right, the house is big and um, it gives the appearance of it, but I have not very little. You didn't get into fights and you don't go out every night drinking in pubs and things. And in a way, that still remains. You know, I'm, if I went out drinking in the local pub, I mean, if I walk into the pub, I immediately feel everyone turn around and say, oh, there's Alice Moore, you know, and telling their neighbours who I am and things if they don't know me. And there's always that feeling that you can't go anywhere without being recognised, as I've discovered to my cast. <laughs> there's always someone who'll say, ah, there's Mr Moore's daughter, you know, what's she doing here? And you're not expected to do things, and if you do them, well, people are shocked, I suppose. It's the only way to describe it. They've always been brought up to believe that you wouldn't do a thing like that, and they just come to the... They don't realise, in a way, that people are trying to break away I suppose from the old traditions and being a privileged class and that we no longer feel it that much uh, but other people I suppose they still sort of look, look at you as living in a privileged class and expect you to behave slightly differently because they feel you're in a different class. Would you, would you regard yourself as an English Catholic or as an Irish Catholic or how do you see yourself with regard to Catholicism? Um, I think, in many ways, I, I, I think, I wouldn't think of myself as a liberal Catholic, say, like Evelyn Waugh. Um, I think that, in some ways, I suppose I s might possibly still have an English Catholicism behind me. Um, I was brought up in Lancashire, which perhaps, as you know, um, Lancashire Catholics 
were very good Catholics and were very staunch Catholics. And um, in a way, it is perhaps one was less dictated to as to what one had to do and things, and it was left more up to oneself to be staunch Catholic or be a good Catholic or whatever you are. Um, one had less fear of not doing the right thing in England, and, and, and not so much now here, but when I first came over, I know one had the impression that, you know, if you didn't conform exactly, well, <laughs> you were heading to hell practically, you know, much more than over in England uh, when where I was brought up. But I would say that... Um, I would still think that slightly I was influenced anyway in my attitude to Catholicism by the way I was brought up in England rather than anything that's happened over here. What does your Catholicism mean to you now? Is it very important to you? Yes, it is, quite definitely. It hasn't lost its importance uh, at all. I mean, I can't imagine that anyone would ever manage to persuade me that I should be anything else... It, then a Catholic and a Christian. The Moors of Moorsfort, and so stands one Catholic gentry family in 1979.